Welcome to the Your Ideas Suck podcast brought to you by Flexibility. As usual, today we're joined by Eric Hansen, veteran designer, mountain biker, and commercially licensed drone pilot. Also Nacho, product leader, entrepreneur, and beetle rancher. I'm going to need some explanation on what that means. <laughs> it's literal. It's literal. Oh, beetle. you're ranching beetles now? I, I, this was years ago. I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the nutshell. Okay. And, and I, I, I raised Alamirina dichotomous, small Japanese beetles as pets. This is when hermit crabs were all in the mall and in the huge craze. And so I actually raised them and sold every single one that I raised huh. to the point where I sold it to the same pet store. They bought all, my whole stock in one day. I didn't even have any more to sell. But if it wasn't for legality reason, I would be sitting on a cash pile of beetles. From, from beetles. Yeah. Yeah. Were they were they not legal to sell? Like what's uh... they were it was legally questionable. Frowned ah. upon. Yeah. Well they can't breed was, here. They can't it so was, that was, they're not invasive, but they're not like they're not uh, permitted. They're not disallowed. They're sort of in this gray zone. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a strong foundation for a business. So mm. end up Well, that. you know You were the you were the tiger king of beetles. <laughs> That's right. Not That's right. Was now my, the beetle my, king. <laughs> my beetles were better. Actually the website was Beetlebrothers.com. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. You would have liked the branding on that one. It's that domain dead. <laughs> I'm not even gonna bother. Okay. I bought as- your mom.com. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Even better. As usual, the podcast is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bell. And like you, I'm here to learn more about product design, management, and beetle ranching from the people who know it best. All right, guys, let's let's jump in. Uh, first topic is news. What do we have on the docket for today? Well, I think we all we all could agree that one of the the, the bigger news uh, events or stories outside of uh, political election goofiness is is uh, is Twitter Elon Musk goofiness and what he's done since uh, he's decided to uh, let things sink in, as it were. <laughs> let the, the 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 purchase has has hit home. Is that the uh, what the- kind of child comes into a company that they just bought with a sink and like? This is oh anyway. <laughs> what was the tweet? It's like I'm like I'm the boss now or something. Let that sink in. Something idiotic like that. Like it's <laughs> oh. horrible. At, at what point did leadership just get like transferred over to children? Like I just I don't understand. Like the ridiculousness of how much money he has and what he's able to like play with is just uh, it's like I'm I'm I think I'm literally disgusted by it at this point. Well, that brings up an interesting question. I know I'm, I'm going to purposely like avoid Musk as much as possible because I know he he shares a lot of airwaves. But like, right? So like that brings up the question, which is: Should we allow people to be that wealthy? Is that something we want in our society? I know we're jumping right into the deep end here. Right? <laughs> Very profound. <laughs> well, I think it's is it good for society? Is it good for humanity? Right? Is it good for culture? Mm, that's tough. Because I like what I would like to say is that it's not, but then like that has other not great implications on you know it has bad historical and, implications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like we're ho- we hope we we learn from the past and we and we move forward. But this election cycle may not prove that. So back to uh, back. But to he was but he was he was enabled into that forty four billion, right? Like he didn't have that in his no, own it's assets. A loan. Like yeah. So like he had to get other people to believe that this was a good thing and believe that he was a good thing for it. And like, I don't understand how he was enabled through this and like what they thought was going to happen. I think, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see how things shake out, but I think there's probably an element there of, you know, wanting, 
wanting a stake in the ownership, right? Wanting a at least a lever into that person that is now going to own this this platform where a lot of exchange of ideas and so, things take place, right? So you think the bankers want to the, to have a platform to lean on? So I have an interesting angle that I, I don't know if is right, and I'm going to maybe show my ass here, but it nice. will at least be an interesting <laughs> discussion. I was reading a little bit about some of the some of the owners and some of the people who like put in money to him, um, and I think that there were some <clears throat> some offshore. Mm-hmm. Uh, less than awesome to <laughs> minorities and women countries that mm-hmm. invested in a in a platform that was one of the ways that originally kicked off resisting to said government. So, like, that's an interesting yeah. conflict of interest. That just means that the world is different for these ultra rich than everybody else, right? Oh, like, yeah. I remember going to the bank to get a house, even which was like a great asset. You had to like jump through a billion hoops, sign a thousand pieces of paper. You had to put down collateral, like it was a nightmare. And you you get your first cell phone. They had to do a credit check, a background check. Yeah. Back in the day, you want forty one billion dollars to buy Twitter? Eh, sure. <laughs> so, what, what what are your thoughts about seven days in laying off almost half a workforce? Yeah, that that to me is really like what's been at the front of my mind is. I mean, I said it, I think, in our in our previous discussion where we were talking about, you know, the, the potential of this happening, which is like the human result, you know, and like seeing so many of these people that have been laid off are part of the accessibility org, or they're part of the content moderation mm-hmm. org, or, you know, mm-hmm. parts of the business that people like Elon might view as superfluous, but, you know, <laughs> we all know how important those types of things are. But how do you make that determination in seven days? Yeah, this clearly isn't about judgment and 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 strategic know-how, right? I think we can throw that out the window. I don't care how much, you know, you want to simp on Musk. Like, there's no way, yeah, in seven days of the org that size, you know who the who the dead weight is and who isn't, right? And you can just yeah. cut them. That's just not the case. I think it's I think it's literally a power move, right? I own Twitter now. I can do what I want. Fuck you guys. I'm going to build it the way I want to. Now, whoever's left either has a choice, right? They either have to get off the ship or, or line up. And so I think it's a hundred percent power move. It'd be interesting to see where Twitter is 12 months from now. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You lost your healthcare because of Twitter's big dick. <laughs> oh. And then, and then the, the whole kerfuffle around the, the verified, the $20 down to $8, like just, mm. And then the weekend of all the parody accounts, that was hilarious. That was great until they all got banned, unfortunately. Yeah, because free speech. You know. <laughs> that's I was going to say, we could change the Your Ideas Suck handle over. But oh, we could. We could. <laughs> Might not be handle. the best idea. <laughs> <sighs> it's interesting. I think, I think what, what, I think rightly so, we're riled up because we see a troubling power shift, right? It actually reminds me a lot of when um trump was first elected when at first you're like is this a joke like what's going on like this is like it almost didn't quite sink in and then after the few years you're like oh no this is like an active uh uh problem that needs to be dealt with and i'm wondering if it's just that exact same pattern that we're just in the middle of again right now yeah 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 i i think that there's i don't i don't I don't even know how to articulate it anymore. I'm so like just kind of bewildered by the whole thing where 
like uh, stupidity uh, is is rewarded in a way now that it didn't seem to be before. Um, and and the idea that you can be this 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 forty four billion dollar owner of a platform and uh, put out tweets that you know a three year old might think are funny. Um, I just I just I don't get it. Like there's no and I don't know maybe this is like my military background or or something. But there's just like we we've lost an amount of like professionalism and and, and gravitas in a way that I think is is meaningful. But again, I'm the oldest one here, so maybe that's my problem. <laughs> well, oldest one. I'm plenty old. And, yeah, you guys um, are old. So speak, speaking of being old, I was listening to NPR, which is for old people, and um, they actually dove into this this very question. And they're like, "When did these like we were always partisan? There were always problems, right? But like, when did it really kind of start to shift?" Yeah. And the insight they had that struck me is it was when Obama was giving the State of the Union. And that one guy came up and said, you're a liar, right? He just sort of spoke in the middle of his of his speech. Well, apparently that night, his fundraising went off the charts because of that bombastic, you know, name-calling aggression kind of an attitude. And just since then, we've, they've realized that that's the tool for money. The more you insult, the more you, you, you put yourself out there, the more cash you're going to raise. Well, I mean, if that were true, I would have a lot more money than I have now. <laughs> You're just not directing your anger to the right people. <laughs> I mean, because I can be an asshole. I can, you know. Anyway, that was kind of a joke, sort of. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, you know. <laughs> half and half. Half and okay. Half. Well, I think, you know, that's that's good on that news. <laughs> and and that segues somewhat well into our, our topic for the week. Uh, so, you know, our topic today is, is fang companies. Uh, and does the drop that we see with Meta and now Twitter sort of spell the end for Fang as we know it? Nacho, can you give the people a rundown on on what Fang is? And <laughs> I don't know where the acronym stands right now, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, what has it been traditionally? It's, it's come through an evolution, and it's really funny. I've worked at a lot of companies with, with young people, and, and some people just had no clue where Fang came from. And so this is both the mother's explanation and if you're too young, you don't know what this is. <laughs> um, well, it was kind of like a narrow window to really understand. But like, yeah, um, um, right, FANG stands for uh, the companies that were the largest uh, uh, stocks at the time. These things were like bulletproof, right? Um, so, so Jim Cramer basically said it was Facebook, uh, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, which was the original FANG. Then they added in Apple, which was mm-hmm. the 2A Fang. And now Google's not Google, right? Google's now <laughs> Alphabet. Alphabet. And Fang, Facebook is no longer Facebook. Facebook is now Meta. So is it Mana? I don't know. I've, seen, anyway. Mang- yeah. I've seen Manga before. <laughs> Manga. Oh, I like Manga. Manga's Yeah, good. but then the G doesn't really work. So I guess it would be Mana. That's such a like weeb way to change, change <laughs> what it is. But it's uh, it's definitely it's if Fang stuck around because it's I think it it spoke to the um, sort of aggression and assertiveness that we gave these companies and it typified I think what we call those sort of like high growth social media network effect type of organizations. In fact, you would say not only that you were a startup, you would say you are a Fang like or a Fang adjacent company when you were recruiting, right? Yeah, I mean, for for a long time, that that grouping, whether you call it Fang or whether you just like mention the grouping, was 
the 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 center of the of kind of the tech darling universe in terms of like you know companies that that were uh, doing what they needed to do past the you know after like as we got into the the web two stuff right like coming out of the dot com goofiness and, and and moving into web two like those were those were the those were the players the big boys it was um it was considered I remember like if you had it on your resume. Yeah. It was like a golden stamp. Yeah. Right. You could kind of do anything from there. So, but like now, what, I, I think, you know, the, the, it doesn't feel that way anymore, especially like with the layoffs and kind of with everything else that's going on. It feels like there's, there's a turn. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, Ryan, you mentioned cryptocurrency a little earlier. Um, and it's, you know, as we start talking about Web three and like the end of Web two and the start of Web three, even though I hate the Web three term, but like it feels like there is some kind of a shift going on right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think decentralized is the answer to everything, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have an angle on it too, and this is a very like product management driven question. So maybe this is better for Nacho. So. You know, I think as fan companies have gotten bigger, I'm looking at all these companies and across the board and they and as they've matured, they've gotten more comfortable in um you know, obviously they have a core growth engine to their business, and that's the thing that makes most of their money. For Amazon, it's AWS. Um, you know, it's it varies across the board. I I believe for Google it's probably ads. Ads. Ninety percent. Um, do you do you think that some of this might be a consequence of these companies spreading themselves into like R and D esque like moonshot type of things too quickly over the years, and now they're having to like you know sort of scale back to the core growth aspects of their business? Is that like what you think is happening? Or yeah, you know, there's there's actually a lot of answers to that question. I think you know I can only see what I can see, but I can tell you that like. I think I think part of it is the, exactly what you articulated in the beginning of that, which is the nature of the model is driving some kind of misalignment with what your customer base wants, right? Like if you're selling to advertisers, you're no longer cr- providing a public service. Like let's just be honest. You mm-hmm. might also be, right? But that's the secondary to the primary, which is make money. Right. Um, So Twitter. So I think, A, that's the fundamental problem is that, you know, when you have to look at products that really do well, it's Mm -hmm. they do well because they're valuable, independent of how they make money. Right. And I think I think, you know, these guys have really kind of lost their direction as far as building products go. But I think also we're we see this all over the Fang universe and startup universe, which is the 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 uh the paradox or the, or the, you know, mental model, I'm I'm using the wrong word, but like the thing where, because you're successful, you think what they did was right. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's so much they did that was not right, but because they were successful, everyone started repeating some of the same patterns, right? They established norms that maybe aren't the best norms and they were almost like victims of their success. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, Talking about the 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 Musk part again, and and, and Twitter, like uh, some of what I was reading about that was, um, you know, they mentioned that Twitter was like 2016 was dying, right? Like yeah, it was I bleeding, oh, bleeding yeah. people, and and it was it was the it was the election, and it was that environment that kind of lifted them back up and gave them gave them a second breath. So, 
Um, and the product didn't really change through that. It was just a, an avenue for people to spout whatever they wanted to, mostly unchecked. Yeah, it is weird with Twitter, too. I feel like Twitter, I mean, you know, obviously there's an advertising component to that, but they're a little less proliferated than some of these other fan companies. Like, I feel like their core product is still very much like their company, you know? Like, that is Twitter is is just Twitter itself. Versus, like, you look at, like, an alphabet, which, you know, Google's already gained a bit of notoriety for starting projects and then they just kind of disappear into the ether eventually. Yeah, but 90% but, of the revenue still adds. So like yeah, it kind of doesn't exactly, matter how exactly. good R&D does because there's still 90% of the revenue comes in ads. Eric, I can see you're, you're queuing up something there. Well, I, I was, I was thinking about this before this conversation, right? Like the, the fact that like we're talking about these companies in a way where they seem a little bit diluted or a little bit like less important doesn't mean they're dead or that they're going away, right? Correct. Like we, we've, we've watched this cycle before with like, IBM back in the day that would have been like the most prominent tech piece then and like uh, off of the, the personal computer they're revolution. Still here. Yeah, they're still here. Yeah. They're just different, right? And I think that That's a good point. I guess we're in the middle of these companies within their move to be different. And maybe since we don't know where they're landing and they're definitely struggling in this middle, right? Like the the security and privacy updates and Apple and what it did to Facebook and and what they had to try to do with Meta, their their insistence on on VR, even though what we see a lot in the public realm is kind of like a resistance to that insistence, um, you know, and then Twitter and, and Instagram and all of those having to compete with some of the newer players like TikTok and, and all of that good stuff. Like, I just think we're in this really interesting transition where like there was a, there was a long time I would have never worked for Facebook for a certain reason. And now that reason's even like different again on why I wouldn't work for them. Mm-hmm. Cause I think yeah. they're on the, you know, the downward slide of whatever, uh, this this next phase is i think i think for me like uh, l- let me like pivot this in different converse in a different direction like uh, what uh, when when the government took over the mail right they created the united states postal service it was to provide the service to people which was to sort of democratize communication right to make it so that you didn't have sort of these exclusive bubbles in areas you could communicate coast to coast. It could, it was revolutionary for our society, for our culture, for America, for the world. The USPS was pivotal in sort of democratizing information. Do we see Twitter as that place in the future and the internet today? And, and does it need a public supporter to, to sort of turn into what it needs to turn into next versus this, you know, sort of rich blowhard is there now? So the, I don't know if you wanted to jump in on that first, Ryan, I definitely have some thoughts, but it looked like you were about to uh, I mean, I, I need to do some research, some really, really quick research. So. Okay. All right. You, you get to do your thing. <laughs> See, this is why it's easy for me to talk. I just have opinions. I don't do research. <laughs> <laughs> Again, only partially kidding. That's um, the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about this the other day, right? Like I remember when, when Twitter, at, at, all the way back into, into MySpace, actually, like MySpace, Facebook, the beginning of Twitter, um, and now I'm trying to remember some of the other experiments around that time of community pro- community produced content. There was there was even like this news. I don't remember what it was, News Vine or something like that. Like it, we went through this period where um, we were starting to give the ability to, I mean, Blogger, all of that was like about giving the ability for anybody to publish anything and like have it on this this equal this equal playing field. 
And I remember back then being incredibly excited about that power and like finally not having things um, uh, censored or, or edited by either the, um, the, the studios or newspapers or whichever, right? Like it was going to be this, what I, what I had hoped at the time, this, this flourishing of, of human communication and, um, and level playing field for, for, for good works and content. And now after watching all of this happen, like I'm, I've, I've like heavily changed my mind on that. Like maybe not everyone should be able to publish something unchecked when they're fucking morons. Um, (laughs) That's a technical term. Yeah. And like, who am I to say who's a moron or not? Right. Like it's, it's, it's not fair, but like the, if you take what happened within the 2016 election and, and, and the bots and everything else that was going on there. And then you look at what Facebook has done in terms of trying to monetize people and ads based on the content they've produced. Like all of this has just gotten, it, it took what I thought 15 years ago was going to be this amazing thing and just turned it into a steaming pile of shit. And I think that like, web three and decentralized and whatever that next step is like those are people that are caught up in the same beliefs that we're going to by decentralizing everything and giving everyone the same power everything is going to be fixed and i think that's not true at this point i think it's like we're getting into this chaos engine that isn't good for anybody yeah so i I think if I can yeah. jump in an informed so, opinion instead of just uh, a bold opinion, uh, I don't know about <laughs> informed. I just did a quick Google search because I wanted to make sure I didn't uh, talk out of my ass too much. Uh, my job. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you guys have heard anything about what Jack Dorsey has been up to since he left Twitter, but Stripe. he's been working on this thing Sorry. called blue sky, which is a, uh, which, you know, sort of ties into the sort of web three world that you were talking about. It's an open uh, protocol for building basically like a social internet. So kind of interesting that he's like, and it's, it's not part of Twitter. So they're like off on their own. Now they aren't part of Elon Musk's like web of influence. So it will be interesting to see when that like starts to show up. I know that they had like people from uh, Mastodon that were Mm. like working with them or talking to them too. So and I've, I've hopped on Mastodon. I've made an account. I don't know if you guys have checked that out since all the Twitter stuff started to go down. Yeah. Um, to me, it's like got that classic thing where like the uh, the way that it is put together gets in the way of the user experience a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it, it took a while for me to even figure out like what the hell I was doing in the yeah. like, <laughs> onboarding of it. Um, and I still don't really know what I'm doing on there. So uh, yeah, but th- that I, I did think that was an interesting like current events thing to bring in is... Uh, you know, there there is some people in the background that are trying to develop a like more open protocol for this. It'll be interesting to see when that comes out, how that uh, eats into Twitter, if at all. But uh, no, not that sure. will be interesting. Anything? Oh, I was just gonna. I was just gonna. Um, I had a thought, but I think I think I'll change my thought. Although I did send you something. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to check it out, this is sort of this is sort of getting onto Eric's conversation about um about the chaos slurry that is twitter right now um but the the thought so so to to kind of bring it back to like fang so it sounds like and maybe i'm hearing it wrong but i love your direct opinions it sounds like fang is dead i I mean it sounds like they're transforming it's changing that they don't have the same five bulletproof stock kind of status they did before 
Is that right? I, I, I would agree with that, that the, the prestige has worn off a bit. I think one, one thing that I did want to touch on is there, you know, I think there's um, an element in the labor force at these fan companies that is interesting. I mean, now we're seeing layoffs and things, but even before that was happening, um, you know, you've seen like how far Meta's stock has fallen over the mm. last year. Mm. Very like uh, conversations, a lot of places about, you know, people's drop in total compensation because so much of your total comp at a place like that is tied to stock. So you could potentially be down, you know, 70% at this point of what you expected to earn this year. And that has been like a big motivating, you know, thing for people to either hop to another fang company or get out of fang entirely to somewhere with where, you know, more of your salaries on, on base and less on equity. Yeah. But, uh, I, I definitely know in my hiring that they've they've lost their gold. It's definitely been a bit tarnished. Uh, yeah. Just coming from Facebook doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're going to be a quality person. Was it the case before? The case the case before what? Was, I, was, I think there there was an assumption that if you came from Facebook or Apple or Google or yeah, Netflix yeah. that like. You you were part of you were part of this charge of part of this like initial like really successful tech companies um, that that proved you know that that the, the tech companies could be the next whatever. That's interesting engine. to me because like really the the people that are leaving now were there most likely there during the time where you had that high opinion of of them. So really, it's like the company's performance that has impacted people's perceptions i feel like more than like the the people that are there changing or anything like that well you would figure that uh, the people that were going through that like this is what 10 i I think the peak of that was probably 10 years ago yeah okay that's that's the time frame we're talking about gotcha um i'm not sure what what you think but like that's that's kind of yeah I've lost what tab no. you guys are in because I was reading this thing you sent. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was that was that was I think I think that was about right. It seemed like when they first started up, there was this mystique, and part of the reason why we knew they were good is because there were so few of them. They were literally startups, and it was usually like the one percenters or the, some lucky people kind of got scooped up to work, and then through the crucible of challenge and difficulty and fundraising, they 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 yeah, hardened themselves into this gem, right? If- but but that's not the case anymore. If you think about it, like if you were starting, like when they were, <clears throat> when Uber was starting, right? Like they would have wanted Facebook, Apple, Google engineers. Like that's, that's right. They would have thought that like, that's where the best talent was going to come from around that time frame. Yep. So hundred <clears throat> percent on the, on the, on the crypto side of things or the web three side of things or whatever we call that. It was interesting. I was listening to <clears throat> an A16Z podcast where they were talking about, uh, different, uh, different companies and, and different things that they were doing. And they had a guy whose name I don't remember, a company I don't remember talking about <laughs> uh, hiring engineers for um, for this. And they were very um, direct and like, if you haven't worked in crypto before, it didn't matter where you came from. You weren't like if you if you hadn't already done something with smart contracts, if you hadn't already done something with blockchain. They just weren't interested in you. It didn't matter where you came from. I wonder if that's because you have to have drunk the Kool-Aid before. Yeah, right. Like, they don't want to have to convince you that <laughs> that cryptocurrencies are awesome. They wouldn't want to hire some asshole like me to come in there and be like, this is bullshit! This is all bullshit! 
<clears throat> yeah, I, I guess I guess what I would say is that having gone through a, a, a few Fang and Fang adjacent interview cycles in recent history, mm-hmm. there very much still is, at least when they are looking for candidates, there is still an emphasis and uh, preference towards hiring people that have handled problems at the scale that they are currently ha- handling them. That might be how they classify it. Well, but basically, so, that translates to, you know, you're going to have an easier time getting through the hiring process if you, you know. So that's a, it's a really interesting hiring strategy because then you're just hiring more of the same, right? Like, yeah. And, yeah. and how do you trick? That's part of it, right? Like, that's yeah. that's uh, a questionable aspect of it for sure. Homogeny kills. Sorry. That's what I was going to say. Um, you know, is that in an interview, you can ask whatever questions you want. But the fact is, you still make a judgment. The question is, what are you making your judgment about? And even if I might be asking questions that might appear to be probing about you solving difficult problems, maybe what I'm really doing is just making sure you're not as other as I want you to be, that you're more like me than than not like me. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain level of dissonance between what we ask and how we make judgments on on the answers that we're asking. Maybe that's Maybe that's a good potential outcome of all this, right? Is like maybe these companies start looking for good ideas in places that they haven't traditionally. And that means like when they're talking to people that aren't from fan companies currently, that they consider them more openly and maybe approach the way that they've historically attracted talent in a different way. That's what I would hope. That's my optimistic hat, you know, (laughs) so uh, uh, hoping for some self-awareness. I'll put it slightly differently, which is the market The market is rewarding people looking at medium-sized companies right now. If you want to sure. find a good spot, you want to get a good paycheck, you probably want to have a more that satisfying job, then you want to work for, yeah, a profitable medium-sized company, not someone who's trying to go for this mega IPO or build spaceships uh, that, that, uh, for, for joy rise, right? Like, you want, you, like those medium-sized guys are winning. I think they're winning the talent game right now. Yeah, I think it, I think it's really interesting, and and um, to put you know a positive spin on on some of this, like it's really interesting, I think for for some of the talent to come out of these these larger companies that have um, they have processes in place, right? Some of them are good, some of them are bad. We've all learned from from being parts of those processes, but when you get into the the smaller and medium sized companies, uh, maybe they haven't they haven't had any of those before they haven't had the talent that recognizes the need for those things so i think that there there might be a little bit of an upleveling in process and product from the the smaller or, or mid-sized companies by virtue of this talent figuring out like there are other places to go than than the big 5 or whichever right like that's that's the way that that i'm kind of seeing it as a positive I love the takeaway here because it feels like the takeaway is like heads down, focus on the fundamentals, right? Like whatever level of the org you're at, it's like focus on what you can do to add value, get Mm -hmm. good at getting at at doing what you do. And that's where you're going to be satisfied. Stop looking for, you know, that offer from meta or whatever, right? Like heads down on what you can do in front of you. Well, I feel like that even applies to the companies, right? And that's Mm -hmm. sort of what I was getting at is like, you know, these, these companies, what they probably will end up doing is focusing on what works and a little less on things that are unproven or things that, you know, uh, are going to take longer. Or you might end up in like the meta 
place where you are now where maybe you bet on an idea way too big way too early and now you're feeling the the strain from that right yeah i don't, I don't it's interesting right because if they keep doing the same thing then they're just gonna they're just gonna continue to die right like i mean you know instagram lost any amount of <clears throat> of um innovation uh, kudos or anything because all they've done is copied their competitors for the past five years right like that's true that's a that's a Facebook um, or a, a, a meta product. And yeah. I, I just, I don't, I, I feel like that the, their decline to whatever the nominal existence of these companies is like, it's kind of unstoppable at this point. And they're just going to be, there's going to be who they are and they'll be fine. People still work there. Um, it's not like they're going to die and, and vanish from the face of the earth, but like, what's like, if you put your futurist hat on for a minute, like what do what do we think the the next I don't know the next big kind of and and I haven't been looking at it as a stock performance lens I've been looking at it a you know kind of the 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 social capital cultural lens of what people recognize like if you told somebody you worked for Facebook they're like oh man that's amazing or if you told somebody you worked for ADP they were like Ugh, right <laughs> um, <laughs> so like there's this there's a social cultural piece to these companies existing the way that they do and Zuckerberg being in front of uh, the Senate to try to talk about private like that all of those things mattered and and became I think the story of this decline so like what's what's next what's after this and I I don't think it's crypto but that's just me that's my right. takeaway is social media is hard <laughs> uh, that sounds like the perfect perfect note to wrap up on yeah so <laughs> let's let's move into the next segment the last segment uh so what made you smile this week nacho do you want to take us away i was hoping eric could come up with something but just in something. case he had it yeah, oh, okay, oh, okay. Maybe let, let eric go first. It, it's it's i mean it's it's not anything really like i finally got to uh, to do some some customer interviews and talk to to real users again, so that made me smile. Love that. That is fantastic. Did you learn anything, or was it just nice to like to like genuinely have a conversation and listen to somebody? Uh, both, both. Like uh, there, it was it was one of the, it was like uh, it was a it was a triple threat, and that like it was just nice to talk to somebody again. Um, I learned some things, and a lot of this is the less cool part, but it still was fun. Um, a lot of the things that I, like a lot of my hypothesis were basically proved kind of correct through that. Nice. Um, which I would have been happy to have them disproved too, because that would have been just as valuable, but yeah, it was good. Nice. Getting on the smug train, the user. Yep. So that made me smile this week. I think that's fantastic. Awesome. That's fantastic. I tried to, I tried to like use that little, you know, satisfaction of proving the hypothesis, right. Of that little like nugget of like, of like self uh, a value to, to, to lean into what my, my smug made me smile this week, which is, um, um, I got invited to speak, uh, briefly, uh, uh, with a friend at Columbia university. And I don't do that because I want to name drop Columbia. I just feel this like special sense of smugness of not going to college and then speaking (laughs) at a college. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would let you in the exact same way. (laughs) <laughs> I, I would probably even attend that like wearing a t-shirt under my other shirt that said i didn't even go to college <laughs> yeah so it's just it makes me smile it makes me yeah. smile every time i think about it so what what are you what are you talking about like what what is the topic what is, what is the event 
Crypto yeah, currency. so Crypto I don't even currency. know all of the details right now. This is pretty fresh, but I do know um, that we're, I'm basically talking about some of my experience um, talking to uh, product leaders and kind of insights I've learned along the way. So it actually should be pretty cool. I think they're doing, I think it's part of a program they're doing specifically on product. So actually really interesting. Fantastic. That's cool. Very nice. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Your Ideas Suck podcast. Uh, thank you for checking out this episode. Be sure to follow us on any platforms that you listen to podcasts on, and we will see you next time. Peace.